what's the point of baptism preparation and what makes a good baptism program? In today's episode, we talk about some things that both the parents and the parishes can do to make this process even better. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Everyone, we're back in the studio. In the studio. Together. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. Yes. We batch recorded the last several episodes, so it mm-hmm. really has been a few months, and life has changed. I have a new associate director. Yes, you do. <laughs> Andre Mathias was born uh, May 6th. Um, you will probably see him and hear him on future episodes, <laughs> but today we figured we'd just give him a break. He's sleeping <laughs> in with dad. So um, it's great to be back. We're continuing the year of baptism. We had a very successful Eucharistic Congress in the Diocese of Tyler, and we want to continue talking about the year of baptism because sometimes when the church gives us theme years, we talk about it for six months and then it goes silent. Yeah. So I'm glad we're, we're continuing the conversation, specifically looking at baptism formation or baptism prep. Um, why do we need it? What makes a good baptism class versus a bad one? Um, and also to tell you about the baptism program that we have here in the Diocese of Tyler that Mickey Seba wrote. Oh my goodness. Um, well, and I know, because there may be people listening, like, why should I even continue to listen to an episode about baptism formation? So just to go back a little bit, um, when we're talking about any sacramental formation, to realize that it is through the sacraments that we encounter the grace of God on the deepest level that we can on earth. So how the church communicates that and accompanies people in that process, and how the people receive that is vital to the health of our souls and to the health of the church here on earth. Um, And so I encourage people, wherever they are in their state of life, in ministry, not in ministry, have children, don't have children, preparing for sacraments, that this is really important because it's through the mission of the church to make disciples um, that the sacraments is vital to that. Exactly. So exactly. anyways, I get really passionate about this. That's good. It's, it's an important mission um, of, of the church in these sacramental moments. All of them are, they bring people together that may have been absent from the church for a long time. Um, and not only are they special moments for the individual receiving them, but they're special for the family and friends surrounding that. But it's also really special for the life of the parish. Yes. And um, because having a vibrant parish life and to see your parish as your family in faith is really important. So, Amen. So, yeah, as you're listening to this, if you have already baptized your children, if you're going to baptize your children, if you're someone who works for a parish, if you are just part of a parish community, which hopefully you are, um, to think about what is your experience of baptism within the life of the parish, Um, because there's so many different layers to this. And as Mickey was saying, um, this is a moment of rejoicing for Mm -hmm. the parish. And from the moment that a parent calls the parish office to schedule the baptism or to find out what they need to do, 
um, it is so important that the parish is joyfully um, accompanying that family and not creating an obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that can sometimes be people's experience of any type of sacrament prep is paperwork, rules, um, classes that are at inconvenient times. Uh, and it the joy aspect of the formation mm-hmm. is lost. So I think it'd be good to, to really narrow in on, okay, well, why do we have baptism formation um, and we do like using the word formation mm-hmm. in our diocese. I, I like how, like with marriage, as we talked before, um, we call it ma- marriage formation, not marriage prep, because it is the idea is that it's ongoing. And mm-hmm. we've done that with the the baptism formation uh, program here. But Mickey, can you kind of break down, you know, what is the church's expectation when we say that, you know, a family should be preparing for uh, for a sacrament? Um, but specifically with baptism, what are the things that should always be part of that formation program? So I would say a few things. Um, first is always like sound catechesis. And I think most programs out there actually have sound catechesis. No the teachings, <laughs> The teachings of the church aren't changing in terms of baptism, like right. theology, um, theologically, why it's important, um, the necessity of it, um, the encouragement of having parents uh, give that gift of faith to their children as soon as possible. Um, so sound doctrine, obviously. But I think that sometimes what what we're missing is you could have the best program ever written, at, but if the, I call them the boots on the ground, like the catechists, the, the teachers, the leaders in a parish, and I I've worked in parish life. I know that it's hard, but we have to accompany people. So they're also, um, yes, you need you need some systematic teaching that is good um, and that engages people. But there's also this um, that we have to meet the unique uh, situations and circumstances of mm-hmm. the families that come. Mm-hmm. And I think all too often it comes into like, um, sacramental assembly lines like yeah. do this 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 and it's just checking off boxes right so right. there has to be a formation in the catechesis and the theology there has to be a meeting the family where they are um, there has to be some way to connect the family with the parish and start creating an ongoing relationship if that has not started and mm-hmm. baptism is the perfect time to do that exactly yeah. i think in parish life, sometimes we can forget that when you're on the the office side of things, that this moment of encounter is so unique. Um, we see this with baptism and we see it with marriage, that the family has come to us. You know, mm-hmm. we're not forcing them to, to baptize their child. The, the church strongly encourages it. But, you know, do we are we actually taking advantage of that moment of encounter? And like mm-hmm. you said, to look at the unique circumstances. So, for example, you know, if you have a family that's come to your parish and maybe they're in an irregular situation regarding their marriage, um, th- that's an opportunity to talk about that. And I know we've, we've had podcast episodes uh, about that in the past, but to again, to just remember that we're not like interrogating families when right. they come. <laughs> Um, but one, to express a sense of joy that they have come to the parish because, man, how many of us have called not in this diocese? I'm sure it does not <laughs> happen in the Diocese of Tyler. But how many of us have had the experience or heard stories where someone has 
called the parish and whoever picked up the phone was just not in the bed. It was a Monday, you know, that something happened at home and it, it came over into work and the way that the phone is answered or like, oh, well, are you a registered parishioner? And you shared the the article from, is it Marcel Lejeune? Yeah, he's um, so good. Excellent. And I'll, I'll try to put it in the show notes. But he has like a script of what people typically hear when they call a parish. Like, well, are you registered? Do you, are you part of our parish? Are you in within our parish boundaries? No, well then we can't help you and we can't set the baptism date and you have to do this and you have to do that. Like who wants to baptize their child when you've just given them like this laundry <laughs> of- list of you have to do this, you have to do that and we're not happy about it because you've just given us more work to do. But to think about how can this be a joyful moment of encounter And if you are part of a parish where like maybe sometimes the secretary is a little grumpy, like maybe let's have a conversation about that. Or like, can we have an honest conversation as parish staff about, hey, are we doing everything we can to make sure that that first encounter, like I think secretaries are some of the most powerful evangelists. Absolutely. In our diocese because they're such joyful, they can be such joyful witnesses um, of, of the faith. Like we're, we, the church wants you, the church is happy that you are baptizing your child or that you're looking for an RCIA class or adult formation, or you want to get married. We are happy about that. Um, but sometimes it doesn't come through as, as well as it could. So that simple element of joy, Mm -hmm. um, and the accompaniment is such a, a key piece. Um, I know one thing that can come up in the the baptism formation process, or probably like the first thing that that a parent might think is like, well, I have to take a class, I need to get the baptism on the calendar, and I need to pick a godparent. Um, Can you offer any suggestions of like how to go about making that decision? Uh, Because sometimes it's like, well, I'll just grab anybody, or sometimes it can be really challenging because there are boundaries that the the church gives us. Right, so I think first is understanding that in canon law, there are requirements for someone mm-hmm. who um, is going to be a godparent. They have to be an active member of the of the faith. They have to be Catholic. They have to have received um, sacraments up to confirmation, mm-hmm. um, and and be in good standing. And so that can kind of be difficult for people to understand because sometimes our inclination as humans who are already in relationship with family or friends that mean a lot to us that mm-hmm. we want to have an important role in the life of our child, maybe they don't meet those requirements. Mm-hmm. And that that in and of itself is very, very hard, I think, for parents to swallow when they're already, you know, um, when they're already like in this time of joy and they want to share this with someone that they are close to and yep. that person just doesn't meet the requirements. Right. So there's evangelization that has to happen mm-hmm. in the proper way in those moments. Um, and so I would suggest that I would have on choosing a godparent is can't just be your best friend. Your best friend may be awesome. And yes. that person is still, if they're your best friend, they're still going to be involved in the life of your children and mm-hmm. your family. But when you're thinking about a godparent, it's going to be someone that you um, trust can help lead your child in the faith. Yes. Somebody that hopefully throughout their life, the child can call on or, um, Hey, I'm having, I'm having a hard time discerning this or that. And they want maybe a perspective that's not necessarily from their parents. Um, that might give them some help and aid as they continue to follow the will of God in their lives. 
and I, I hope that we have a at least a good sense of like the spiritual health of the people in our lives. Right. But I know sometimes that's hard to find. Yes. yes. And, um, or maybe there's someone who um, is searching and trying to do guys well, but for some reason there's an impediment. Um, like we talked about irregular marriages is probably one mm-hmm. of the biggest ones. Um, and uh, really trying to walk people through that, but not waiting until they've reached that process before we baptize the child. So that's where it gets a little complicated. That can be a really hard thing. And I know if you haven't listened to the episodes with Father Bolin um, on spiritual warfare and the family, I highly recommend it. Um, Because one of the things that Father Bolin talked about is the urgency of baptizing Mm -hmm. our children. Um, I think the the phrase he used that the church uses is that baptism takes our children from under the dominion of Satan. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those were like really heavy words (laughs) to hear. But there are so many families that I've met where... Um, you know, they want to wait a year because they want to make sure family can come in because baptism is a joyful occasion and we want to celebrate it with as many people as possible. But to also just have a balance with that. um, I worked um, in a parish in Kansas before coming here and a lot of my job was baptism preparation. So I was doing the baptism interviews. I was filling out paperwork with families and the godparent question was always a hard one, a hard conversation to have um, because there were times where we had to tell families like, I'm so sorry that 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 couple, I'm sure that couple loves your child and I believe that, um, but they're civilly married. And so right now they're not receiving the Eucharist or, you know, this person hasn't completed their sacraments of initiation. And so sometimes it was like, well, you know, we could wait for them to get married or people kind of felt this pressure that they needed to get married in order to be godparents. And you have to be careful with that because, you know, you have to have the freedom um, to get married um, and a desire uh, to, to receive the sacrament. So like finding that balance. And I think that I wonder if parishes, you know, can find ways of helping couples to go through the discernment process of a godparent or offering suggestions of things to do if you know they really don't know anyone mm-hmm. who is a, a valid godparent have you seen anything like that or or where like parishes kind of have i don't know like godparents on standby or <laughs> so i've never seen a parish that has godparents on standby but i also don't know if i've been now i haven't been in parish work for a while um, cause I worked in high schools for a long time and then diocesan ministry. But, um, in my experience when, cause I did do, um, sacramental preparation or baptismal preparation years ago, probably over 10 years ago. Uh, but I don't remember there being any talk about how to choose godparents. Um, and so in uh, a, a world where it's a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, to sort of, um, pick parents that or pick godparents that fit the qualifications. Um, that's first and foremost. But then also, if they do, can my child like can my child learn how to grow as a disciple of yeah. Jesus? And so there's yeah. um, very big questions there. But I don't know if I've ever experienced a church that actually walks their um, parents through the process. Like if right. the parents are struggling. Um, I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's something to think about. And what it's reminding me of is just the importance of community. And I know we've Mm -hmm. talked about that before, but like when we're plugged into community life, which is what the parish is meant to be, um, you're much more likely to to know someone. 
Um, and I guess that's where the baptism formation process can be an opportunity or it should be an opportunity to draw families deeper into that sense of parish life or community life. And some of our parishes are so big, that can be a really challenging yeah. thing to do. But if we can have some intentionality behind it, that, that really does go a long way. And it removes one of those obstacles. And again, we're not saying that godparents have to be perfect because Lord knows I am very imperfect as a godparent. I'm the worst at gifts. Oh, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> really bad at birthdays. <laughs> but I will pray for your, I will pray for my godchild. I, we do that on a regular basis says but yeah yeah no I was just um, I was actually at the ordination of a past student that I used to teach and I saw um, the father of my godchild and I'm, I went up to him and I just said I'm sorry I am like the worst godparent I was like I pray for your son I haven't made con like contact with them because we moved away from that city and then life just happened I'm like just the worst but hopefully that lights a fire under me and be like okay and do something. Right. So I got his address. Hopefully I can send him, right. send him some things. But, um, so I am saying this as a very imperfect godparent. I was, I am not a good godparent. I pray for them right. and they're on my heart. Right. But as far as that continued communication, I'm sure if I reached out to them now, which I do plan on doing and saying, Hey, do you know, I'm praying for you. If you ever have a question right. about whatever, here I am. Here. And they're probably thinking, who is this who lady is this who's like <laughs> popping up in my life right now? Um, anyways, but um, but I think sometimes not really knowing the steps to take of like even how to be a good godparent, you know, th- there also should be an element for godparents like, hey, there are things that you can actively do. And here's ideas of what you can start off from mm-hmm. the get go on how to be a good godparent. So exactly. like, praying for your godchild. What are ways that you can connect um, with your godchild, and if distance is an issue, like letter writing or enrolling them in masses. Oh, um, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, just saying, hey, every year, and you make it like every year for Christmas or Easter or whatever, yeah. I'm going to enroll my godchild that's um, a good idea. in masses. Because yeah. that's actually one of the greatest gifts that you can give any oh, human man. person on yes. earth. Um, and just letting them know, like, you're on my mind and my prayers. And if you happen to be geographically close, Go to their sports games. Go to their birthday parties. You know, check in on them, um, especially if they're a family member. Like, mm-hmm. what a what a gift to be able to um, to have that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I love that. And I know we spent several minutes on on godparents, but that that does seem seem to be a, a pretty big part of the baptism process. Mm-hmm. So it's important for the parish to joyfully welcome. Um, couples into that process. It's important to have, you know, valid um, godparents um, that aren't just willing to take the class and check the box, but be part of that ongoing formation. Um, And then when we look at the content of a baptism program, because I know for a lot of families, and I remember seeing this in parish life, that the baptism classes were kind of seen as like, oh, I got to take the class or the two classes. And um, I promise that the church is not just trying to hold you hostage (laughs) for three hours on a Saturday or a Tuesday night or whenever it is. But I know that that's how it could come across or how it feels. Like, why do I have to take this? And I think that one, parishes have to do a better job of um, offering classes at times that are convenient for Mm -hmm. family, and that can be really, really tough, or offering different 
um, pathways. And I think that the way of the Holy Family, the program that Mickey wrote, um, <laughs> offers that. Um, so for our parishes that are, are using that program, you, sh- you should be familiar um, with some of that, but like video components. But anyway, just like having a, a flexibility in the formation. Um, but could you talk a little bit about some of the content that you think is important? Like, you know, it's important to, to review like what a sacrament is and, and all of that. But you know, why are we, why are we taking the class? Like, what is it in a baptism class that people should um, walk away with? So when we're talking about like, I guess, are you asking like things presented in the class? Yeah. Like what, what's in the class or yeah. Like what, what's, what's the content that we're looking for? So let's start off with that and then we'll kind of backtrack a little bit and Mm -hmm. then talk about what should follow. So, I mean, obviously people need to know, and this is good for anyone, whether you are a theologian and you know all the things or um you're like i don't i actually don't know why we baptize infants so um there has to be some element of like why do we even baptize and why do we baptize infinite infants and so that goes back to like you know an understanding of what original sin is um what does baptism actually do because i think there's a miss a big misunderstanding about what that actually does Um, And so what is the power of the sacrament of baptism? Explaining how grace works. um, Explaining a little bit about what happens in the rite of baptism. So they know the elements, like when this happens, this is is the spiritual benefit to your child in these certain times, or this is what you are being asked um, to assent to or to consent to, like the church asks you, what do you want? And so as a parent, you're saying, I want baptism. I want Mm -hmm. faith for my child Mm -hmm. and the responsibility that comes with that. Uh, And I know this probably sounds like a lot, but it can be really tastefully and engagingly done that doesn't take, you know, a five-hour or two nights. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I think sometimes... I think sometimes we're like, oh, and I think this goes for every sacrament. We're like, we have them. them. So we need to teach them like all the things. Exactly. And that's, that's impossible. It's like turning on a fire hydrant and saying, drink, drink. And they can only, we can only like take in so much. That's such a good point because it's, it's not that we have them and this is the only moment that we'll have them. Hopefully what we're doing with the baptism formation or any sacrament formation is we engage them and we, <clears throat> sorry, we're sharing the charisma, we're sharing the gospel mm-hmm. message with them in such a way that it is attractive. And when it's just sit in the chair and maybe we'll give you some stale cookies <laughs> that we found in the back <laughs> and three hours later they can finally go home, you know, does that, yeah. is that actually leading to deeper conversion? But yeah, right. to actively. And I think that when we ask ourselves, like, in every step of the process, like, um, am I just informing them or am I informing to transform? Because there's a big difference. And Mm. I think a lot of times it's like information, information, information without the, the thought of, like, how is this information going to lead to conversion, to conversion, to a transformation? And so, um, being very, very intentional, and hopefully whatever program you're using, you trust that the people who wrote that were very intentional on mm-hmm. language, on the process, mm-hmm. um, about, because again, it's not just a program. I, um, it shouldn't be just a program like, hey, read this, we're gonna talk about these questions, and then like, that's it. Yeah. That's not, you know, I could take a financial wellness class 
and sit there for three hours and they give me all kinds of like information mm-hmm. and then it's like right, good luck great so <laughs> now, now i have what? to try to implement this right. in the course of family life right. and so are we setting our families up mm. for not just do they know what the sacrament is um you know, because catechesis is important, but it's not the only thing. Right. Right. We also have to invite them into the life of the parish. And so how are we doing that from the moment that they call mm-hmm. to even after the baptism takes place? Exactly. And that's really important um, because the church welcomes a new child of God. The parish gains a member when a baptism happens. And it's also, it should be an invitation for the family to become even more deeply involved um, in their relationship with Christ, but also in the life of the parish. Yes, yes. What you're saying is reminding me of um, the art of evangelization, so ART. Um, I got this from Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett when they um, were introducing their uh, Witness to Love marriage formation program. But the idea being that evangelization should be attractive it should be relational. There needs to be some type of relationship has to has to exist, and there has to be trust. Mm-hmm. And for you know, so many of our families, especially when you're in a really big parish or you're new to an area, or maybe you haven't been to mass in a while and you haven't plugged into a community, and the baptism of your child is like the first step in, um, you know, repairing that relationship um, with Christ. Uh, having some type of relationship with your parish community is so important. But I mean, I think about the word that evangelization should be attractive. When we have materials that are beautifully done, and I think we we really try to do that with what we're doing in the diocese through the, the St. Philip Institute. Um, not that everything has to be expensive, but that it should be attractive, that we shouldn't be in like this dark lit room <laughs> in the back of the parish like, hall. I don't mean to say this to be at all mean, but the print off copies where they right, just like, put the book on and it's like of, sideways and you can't really example. read the words in the middle Man. because they're, yeah. On behalf of the church, I apologize to anyone who had a crooked <laughs> handout on a class that they went to. That That is so, that is like a big pet peeve of mine. That could be a whole podcast episode. But the simple act of making yeah. sure that the materials that, everything that we're giving to the families that it's attractive that the class itself is attractive Mm -hmm. but we are establishing a relationship with them and we're building trust so that that leads to ongoing formation after the baptism like you were saying and I think the in the way of the holy family can you talk about how that that program in particular seeks to or how it offers that ongoing formation because sometimes people can hear like ongoing formation does that mean that I'm going to have to go to five more classes or what could that look like as far as post-baptismal formation? Right. So um, just, I guess, in general, looking at the whole the whole process, and I like to call it a process because you can buy printed materials. There's video content Mm -hmm. and anyone can look at that. Um, We also offer training. So if anyone's like, hey, I'm intrigued, let us know and we'll train you on like how the process is supposed to go. But trying to be very intentional from like the moment of contact. Like, what should that look like? Um, and so uh, there's a component of prayer. So, like, we we chose to highlight the holy family. So mm-hmm. we want to create holy families. So included in this paperwork of not just stuff that they had to fill out, but it, there's a paper on how to choose good godparents. There's also a paper on how to be a good godparent. There's a, um, a novena to the holy family. 
Now, does that mean every family is going to do the novena? No, but is it an invitation to prayer? Yes. 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 So it, from that initial contact and then to actually schedule a meeting with the people seeking baptism. So they have their paperwork. They've had a chance to mm-hmm. look over all of it. And this is the part that there's not like, there's suggestions on how that should go. Like mm-hmm. there's an agenda of what this meeting with the couple and the godparents, if the godparents can be involved in any part of this process, yeah. they are invited. Um, but you get to know the couple and maybe they have been parishioners for 10 years and have six children and have gone through this process. But you know what? Their life significantly changes with each child. Um, situations in their life. So to do like a wellness check, I don't know if you want to call that, but like, hey, I know you've been here a while. Why don't you come in? We just want to see how you're doing. Yeah. How can we serve oh, you? Instead of like, hey, we have to have this meeting. We but that's not the purpose of yeah. the meeting. The purpose of the meeting is to get mm. to know. Relationship. Is yeah. relationship building. Yeah. And maybe it's um, talking to old friends who've been there for a while. And if they've been there for a while, it could also be an invitation to invite them into greater participation. Like, hey, we're having a hard time finding godparents for some people. Would you guys consider? And tonight we're going to end in prayer. And, um, Mm. you know, but that's that is, I think, a missing piece maybe with a lot of places is that there has to be that. And I know personnel can be short. Yeah, that can be hard. We cannot skip out on relational ministry or anything in our content is not... It may not stick, mm-hmm. right? Um, but God came to us in relationship. Yes. God reveals yes. through people, mm. in people. You know, He does. He could have just dropped the Bible all put together and <laughs> right, said, guys. "Read it." But that's not what He does. Right. He reveals Himself, mm. and He does that in relationship. Um, and so that that has to be a, an important component. You know, yeah. whether it's a first timer. Um, or, you know, a seasoned vet, you know, um, and so having that meeting at the church, um, and then of course taking the class, if they Mm -hmm. can take it, like now someone who has six kids may be scheduled for a class and one of their kids gets sick or they can't find a babysitter any way that the church can accommodate that. Like if you can have babysitting for the couple, Mm -hmm. um, like if you're having a night where people are coming, like offer babysitting, Mm -hmm. make it easier for families Um, because that can be really challenging and really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And what am I talking about? I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just like going off. What did you ask me? (laughs) What happens? That was a really good recap though. Oh, I'm really glad that you walked through that. But after the (laughs) baptism. But it's not what I asked. Mickey, it's not what I asked. It's okay. It's okay. It's been a minute since we've been together, so this is good. Um, so after they've they've done the class, the class. and the and the baptism mm-hmm. has taken place, what should like in an, in an ideal situation, what should the parish do, or what could the family do to like continue that ongoing formation? So if the if the um, formation process that the parish has does does not include a post baptism program. Mm-hmm. Ours does, but if there's one that doesn't, then the church needs to be very intentional about phone calls, emails, reaching mm-hmm. them out, and inviting inviting the families to things. Um, because there has to be that follow-up. Yeah. Um, a check-in, you know, someone from the parish that's, like, continuing that relationship right. with the couple. Right. Um, if there is um, a formation uh, process that the church has that actually has a post-baptismal process, 
part, mm-hmm. use it yeah. because they created <laughs> it with this whole vision in mind. Yeah. Um, and so that can be that can be anything. It can be like a Bible study. It can be a faith sharing group um, that comes and meets at the church. It can be videos online with an accompanying. Um, some something that leads them into yeah. prayer and reflection on yeah. what it means to be a Catholic parent. Um, and in the way so. of the Holy Family, uh, Pope's baptismal prep, there's the uh, Lexio Divina mm-hmm. section, and there's really our beautiful materials, and we'll put the the link to the program in our show notes. But um, Nikki, you really did a wonderful job, oh. right? And I remember the the labor that you went through putting I'm it all together. It's very well done. <laughs> the videos that are there, the the printed materials that are there. So, I mean, we're biased, but it it, it really is a, a good program. But I I really like how you just highlighted, you know, there's a need for formation, um, joyful accompaniment, and then that follow up. And I think that that is such a challenge for any parish community, but. Even if it is as simple as making a phone call or sending mm-hmm. a letter or just you see a couple yeah. and you got to know them through the baptism formation to just say, how are you doing? Or the relationship piece. And I think the church has got to get better at that mm-hmm. regarding any sacrament, whether it's baptism or marriage, that we are intentionally following up yeah. with with families and couples. So. Excellent. And I, I don't want people to be like, oh, they're just like plugging this program. I mean, you can find the videos for free. We, you can, yeah, you, you can, can look at the videos. We, <laughs> um, now the, the sort of we have a Lexio that goes along with the video that has um, how to walk you through Lexio on the Holy Family. So there's seven events in Scripture that highlight the Holy Family, and then how that relates to baptism and just reflection questions to think about where am I as a parent. Um, so that is a product that we have, but. Um, but you can watch the videos for free, and we interview. What I love about what I love about it is we interviewed parents from and our diocese, from our diocese, and yep. asked them certain questions, and and it's in Spanish as well. Yes, um, and the stories are beautiful, mm-hmm. and some of the people just their vulnerability was just um, was just really touching and lovely to see. Yes, um, and because human test like. Personal testimony, testimony is, powerful. is powerful. It is powerful. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. But we'll so, post that. We'll post yeah, the we'll links to the, the videos. In the show notes. Yeah. And speaking of ongoing formation, um, the last thing we wanted to mention is um, there is a retreat coming up for married couples at the end of August. So August 26th, there's an evangelizing spouses retreat. Um, Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett, um, the founders of Witness to Love and Bishop Strickland, um, will be speaking at that. I'll be there too, but it's not a big deal. Um, and the purpose of that retreat is to look at um, you know, our own marriages. How is God calling us to do that ongoing formation? Um, and just an opportunity for couples to discern, like, where is God calling them in their marriage right now? So I'm really excited about it. We did it in Spanish um, last October, and we're finally having an opportunity to do it in English. But we'll put the link to that in the show notes. It's a free event to attend because we had a very generous donor. And Thank we're going to have really good food. <laughs> um, so I'm, yeah, very, very excited about that. So check that out. Um, and then, yeah, take a look at the um, the baptism materials, too. Share 
promote all that good stuff. So thank you, Mickey. Oh, so thank good you to, so much. Sorry, I rambled a lot. No, it's I was good. like, wait, where am I? We're friends and we're women. So <laughs> And it's been a while. And it's been, been a while. Together, yeah. It's been a while. But let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of our faith and friendship. Um, Lord, we pray for all of the families that are preparing for the baptism of their children. We pray for um, those parishes and parish leaders that are accompanying these families. Um, please help us to uh, joyfully walk with people towards the sacraments and help us to just to, con to continue to seek you in all things. And we ask this through the intercession of Our Lady and all of our patron saints. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.